If you would, turn in the Bible to Job chapter 15. After a three-week break, we are now back to the series that we are focused on on Sunday mornings, studying Job together. Three Sundays ago, we had a guest preacher with Andrew Crawford's dad being here. Two Sundays ago, we had a special service for deacons. And then last week, we had uh, the Laymans here with us and Marcus Layman, the missionary, preaching. And so we've taken a break from Job, and now we are back. Job chapter 15. <clears throat> I told y'all when we started Job that I wanted us to spend a lot of time in Job, but there's no way we're going to be able to go verse by verse through it all. So today is one of those sermons where we're going to uh, cover a really large chunk. Today we're going to look at chapters 15 through 31. These are the second and third cycles of Job uh, discussing with his friends what is going on in Job's life. In the bulletin, you see that the sermon title is Friendships Are Complex. Friendships are complex, and they are. You know, when we started this, we, we had not thought much about Job being a book about friendship. There aren't many uh, lessons taught often about friendship from Job. Perhaps the only thing people know is that his friends came and they sat there with him quietly without saying anything for the first seven days. And that's huge. And we talked about that back at chapter two. That was on April the 18th. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more um, but you don't typically think of the book of Job for uh, learning from God about friendship. But yet, I find myself thinking so much about this. And so while it was you know, almost two months ago that we heard that first sermon on friendship, today is gonna be about friendship too, but more so some observations at this point. When we saw chapter two on Job, we thought Job's friends were just amazing, right? They had traveled from far, they had coordinated together, they all came from different places, right? And they got there with Job, they find the greatest man that there is, Job, now sitting outside in the trash burning heap, suffering miserably, he has lost everything. They can hardly recognize their dear friend. And the Bible says that they sat on the ground with him day and night for seven days and did not say a word. And we thought those are some good friends, right? And they are good friends. And we talked about that. And in that sermon, again, on April the 18th from Job chapter two, I told us, remember we started with the Toy Story song, You've Got a Friend in Me? And I told us that there are five characteristics of a true friend going from these friends in Job chapter two. And those five characteristics are they came, they connected, they comforted, they cried, and they contained their judgment. They did not say anything for seven days. And at that moment, we recognized Job's friends as being such a blessing in his life. We were asking ourselves, do we have any friends like that? We were asking ourselves, are we that type of friend? And you'll remember, that's the emphasis I was trying to make. Stop wondering if you've got anybody like that in your life and start challenging yourself to be that type of friend to whoever you can be. But once that chapter ended and those seven days ended, we saw the friendship unfold a little bit more. 
And so today I say that friendships are complex because what we have after seven days of nobody talking, we have a lot of talking. We have chapter three to chapter 31, right? Many, many chapters of them going back and forth and going back and forth, a lot of engagement. And so we find that friendships are complex, aren't they? There are many, many layers to our friendships. Some people we have known for a long time, Some people we are friends with and we are very, very different. We have different views and different thoughts and different feelings. We have some friends that are very much so doing things that we wouldn't do and they have friends of us that are doing things that they wouldn't do and friendships are complex like that and and we know this to be true and yet they are Job's friends. They are seeking to help him. He is glad that they are there. He is seeking help from them. That's where we find ourselves now. What happens in starting in chapter 3 all the way through chapter 31 are three cycles where these friends come, they speak to Job, and each time Job responds. First friend comes, says what he says, Job Job responds. Second friend comes, says what he says, Job responds. Third friend comes, says what he says, Job responds. And that's the first cycle. That first sermon that we did just a few weeks ago on the first cycle was chapters three through 14. Then the second cycle begins where we are today and it goes chapters 15 through 21. Then the third cycle begins at chapter 22 and goes 22 through 26. And then after all of that, Job comes back and we have several chapters of Job responding again. And they hardly comfort him. They hardly help him. But they're his friends, and they're there, and they're trying to help. And so we say friendships are complex. It's important for us to think through this. Why is it important for Christians, for Bible-believing people, to be good friends? Why is that so important? Because our highest calling and purpose on earth is to live for the worship and glory of God. We are to be a light in a dark world. We are to be a sign with a message to those who are out there looking for a message. We are to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. God is to use us in this world. He wants to use us in this world to help people find him. We don't do that by being obnoxious. We don't do that by being condescending or condemning. We do that by loving well, serving well. We do that often by the friend that we are in the relationships that we have, where we have been a blessing to somebody, and then we can speak into that friendship the truth of Jesus Christ, who is the best friend they could ever have. And once again, Andrew Crawford does an outstanding job of of choosing songs that speak to the theme of the message, that Jesus can be a friend of sinners. And we are to be the ones to help them know that, help them recognize that, help them come to understand that. It's important for us to understand friendship. I remember some years ago, Val and I had a couple in the church tell us that they wanted to take us out to dinner and they were gonna find a babysitter for us. 
we were thrilled. And I remember us going out to dinner and typically when I eat, I eat quickly and as soon as I take that last bite, I want to get up and go to whatever's next. But these friends said, they'll, they'll take the food, but y'all just stay here. And I remember thinking, yeah, but we're done. And they said, yeah, but let's just stay here. And I remember thinking, yeah, but we gotta get home to the kids. And they said, no, we got the babysitter under control. Let's just stay here. And from that moment after finishing dinner, we sat at Joe's Crab Shack on the Ohio River for another two and a half hours just talking. That is one of the only times that Val and I have ever done something like that. It was a little bit awkward to me that we were just sitting there to talk and enjoy it. But as that night ended and we went home, I found myself going, that is one of the most impactful, memorable moments I've ever had. That was like therapy to me. People just listening and interested and asking us questions and we didn't have to do dishes. We didn't have to run home. We didn't have to put kids in bed. We just sat there and it felt like friendship making us better people. And because we know that they love Jesus and because we know that we were in that setting because they want us to love Jesus, God used that in a huge, huge way. It's this idea that I want us to kind of glean from what we have going on here in Job. Now, it's not as sweet and flowery as that meal that we had here in Job. And I don't want to try to make it sound like something it isn't. This was a rough, rough setting for Job. But today I want us to look at friendship, the complexity of it. And I want us to learn three lessons from Job and his friends. The first one is that if you want to be a friend and witness for Christ, number one, you need to listen well. We all know that we're supposed to listen well. And perhaps you're here today and you admit you're not a good listener. I admit I need to be a better listener. I understand that to be a leader and to be a father and to be a husband and to be a pastor, I need to be a good listener. One of the things that we recognize from Job's friends is that they were good listeners. You can't miss this. Job talks a lot in Job. It's one of the things that's so interesting. He is wrestling with God and what God is doing. He's not really questioning God, at least not yet, but he is wrestling with why has this turn of events happened in my life? And what you and I know, what the reader knows, Job doesn't know. God is simply proving his point to the devil that God is unstoppable and the devil cannot do anything against God. He's proving that point. Every Everything going on in Job's life of this suffering is simply because Satan is trying to be a bad guy and God is not going to let Satan accomplish what Satan's trying to accomplish. Satan's goal is that Job would curse God and he tries everything that he can. 
God's goal is to prove Job will keep holding on to me because I'm holding on to him. God is a keeping God. The Bible says it over and over again. And his proving point here is I'm keeping Job. And Satan's trying everything. But what you and I know so clearly and what makes this book a treasure to us, Job doesn't know. Again, there is zero mention in Job that Job knows of Satan. It's like he has no idea. All he's thinking about is why is God letting this happen? And as he speaks and speaks and speaks and speaks and speaks about all the thoughts that he has about his life and the trouble that he has found himself in, his friends are there listening. If you want to be a good friend, listen well. Listen to hear what people are saying. Listen to hear where their heart is. Listen to what they're going through and what they're feeling. Here's the big one. Listen to understand them. Don't listen to fix them. Listen to understand them. Oh, the power of friendship to think that Job's friends showed up, didn't say a word for seven days, and Job wasn't speaking, and they were not going to say a word until Job spoke first. Remember, I said in that sermon a few weeks ago, what if Job would have never spoken? What if Job had gone a month because he was so beat down? We wondered, would they have even spoken themselves? They did not speak first. They waited. They waited for Job. If you want to be a good friend, listen well. Do you remember when James said that we all ought to be quick to hear? Do you remember that? Quick to hear means you want to listen. You're paying attention. You're focused. You are listening. If you look here at Job chapter 15, you will see that the first person to speak here in the second cycle is Eliphaz the Temanite. And the first thing he says in verse two is, should a wise man answer with windy knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Should he argue in unprofitable talk or in words with which he can do no good? He had been listening to Job talk and talk and talk. And he found that Job is not really understanding. And it sounds like he thinks Job is talking too much. And he's really just getting started because there's so much left in this book. But it shows you that he's listening. Turn over to chapter 21. Not only are the friends listening... But Job is aware that they are listening. You know, there's a real sense in which you read the book of Job and you find yourself eventually going, and why are they called friends? <laughs> why are these people called friends? Because they're not really helping him that much and they're saying a whole lot. It really seems like they're getting on his nerves and he's getting on their nerves and they're not coming to any solution. And let's not miss the fact that Job is absolutely miserable. So it's worse than just conversation. It's deep, deep suffering. 
So, but in chapter 21, verse two, Job says, keep listening to my words. Job is aware that these friends of his are listeners. Do you remember back when we were all in our misery, in the middle of a pandemic, and watching presidential debates? You remember that? Do you remember the first one where they didn't have a mute button? Do you remember how bad those guys were at listening? Do you remember that? Do you remember when everybody was saying, I'm about to turn this off? We need a mute button. Somebody give that host a mute button. They would not hear each other out. They would not listen. Job's friends listened well. If you long to speak of Christ to your children, to your neighbors, to your spouse, learn to listen. I hear a lot of people say, I don't know what to say. Okay, learn to listen. Learn to not say something and listen well. I have found, because we have kids, that they have a lot to say. And sometimes they'll say it no matter what, whether you're listening or not. But I have also found that they won't always say what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and what they're going through until we get in the situation or setting of listening. And when we allow our kids to find a spot, a place, a setting, a car ride with the radio off, a living room with the TV off, a bedside, and we will engage them, they have depth to them with emotion and thoughtfulness and thinking if we will listen, if we will give them that. We learn this from Job's friends to listen well. But number two, we also learn not only to listen well, but to respond well or respond wisely. I said we need to listen to understand, and now we need to understand to be able to respond. We need to say something, so what are we going to say? And again, this is what we were thinking in chapter two when his friends were there. It is powerful that they came and they sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights. And while that was a sermon in and of itself, their true friendship to sit there in the suffering, we knew we needed them to speak. We knew we wanted them to speak. We knew we could not wait to hear what are they going to say, just like you and I, in very heavy moments, in a hospital room, at a funeral home, after a ball game, right? in heavy settings, in the principal's office, in a parent-teacher conference, in the living room, on the bed with your lover, right? In that setting where time is tense, right? When moments are tough, what are you going to say? What do we say here? And that's what we're wondering with Job's friends. Respond well, respond wisely, understand before you respond. James teaches us to be quick to hear, and James also teaches us to be slow to speak, but he does teach us to speak. 
just with calculated mindfulness, thinking what helps. Do you remember in Ephesians 4, 29, where the apostle Paul is teaching so well to be careful how you speak, and he says, do not let any corrupting talk come out of your mouth. You remember that? But listen how 4.29 ends. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Listen to this. As fits the occasion, Ephesians 4.29. As fits the occasion, listen, that it may give grace to those who hear. No doubt there is a lot that can be said, but does it fit the occasion? Did it build up? Did it provide grace? No doubt it may have been true. So many of us think it's okay to say anything at any time as long as it be true. That is not right. As fits the occasion, builds up, giving grace to that moment, to that person. We need to learn to respond wisely. When we look at Job and his friends in these three cycles that span chapter 3 to chapter 31, we see that at times they are responding well and at times they are not. At times they're missing this. At times they're not very good at it. Look with me at chapter 16. This is Job's response to them. Listen how he gets it, what they're saying to him. Chapter 16, verse 2. I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. Think about that. Man, y'all are saying a lot, but you're not comforting me. Y'all are miserable at comforting me. Shall windy words have an end, or what provokes you that you answer? I, I also could speak as you do if you were in my place. I could join words together against you and shake my head at you. I could strengthen you with my mouth, and the solace of my lips would assuage your pain. Job is aware that they are listening, and now they're responding, but it's not really doing it for him. They're not helping. They're not comforting him. They're just making the suffering worse. So they're responding, but not necessarily responding well. Turn over to chapter 17. Chapter 17 is a big one where Job is still talking. And in verse 15, he finally asks, 17, 15, where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? Job's friends have not offered him much hope. They have offered him lots of ideas or suggestions on how to fix it. They've gone back and forth on every type of theology you could think of. But they've not offered him hope. And you'll remember, I preached this on uh, Easter Sunday. It's in chapter 19, verse 25, where Job says, for I know that my Redeemer lives. Job is the one reminding himself that he has a redeemer regardless of any answers. It's not Job's friends that are telling him that. And so Job's friends are full of response, but not necessarily helping. They're there to try and help. They're present. They are friends. But what they're saying is not necessarily helping. And I know, listen, I know that when your heart is in the right place, and you're desiring to be a good friend, 
You'll try anything or you'll say anything, right? To try to bring your friend out of suffering. But the lesson we want to learn here is to respond well or to respond wisely. And they're not exactly doing that. Commentator Mason says, in the case of Job's friends, over the course of the dialogue, we see their well-intentioned solicitude degenerating into paranoid, even hysterical self-defensiveness. Rather than helping Job, what they are really doing now is struggling frantically to maintain and justify their status as counselors. They're talking and talking and talking, but they're not really getting anywhere. I mean, here's the point. If you've ever been to a counselor and you've sat down with counseling and they've said everything they can say and you've said everything you can say and you don't feel like you've gotten anywhere, are you gonna keep going? Is it worth continuing to go? This is what's happening with Job and his friends. There's a lot of talking going on, but not necessarily a lot of solution. And so you start to ask yourself, well, maybe what they're saying is not right. They're trying to respond. We felt the need for response, but maybe what they're saying is just not the answer. We learn from that that we need to learn to respond well, respond wisely. Number one, we need to listen well. Number two, we need to respond wisely. And number three, we need to point to Jesus. This is the huge issue with Job's friends. Job knows this. And so he asks a lot of questions. His life has turned so much that it is fair. It is reasonable. There's nothing wrong with Job wondering what in the world is going on here. We know from chapters one and two what is going on, but Job doesn't. So it is fair, it's honest, it's okay for Job to be asking or wondering or curious about why his life has turned so very much. Remember, he had 10 children die in one day. That's some tragedy there. He is suffering. And that was only Satan's first attempt. Satan's second attempt saw Satan take all of his health except his death, except his life. He was able to do anything to him except kill him. And so Satan makes him sick as sick can be from the tip of his head to his bottom of his feet. He's covered in boils and skin issues and he takes broken pottery and scrapes himself for some relief. Job is suffering. Yes, Job is suffering. But Job knows that God is the answer and Job knows that his redeemer lives but his friends don't seem to be strengthening, strengthening him in this. Friendships are complex. They are friends. They are there. They are present. They listened well. They're trying to respond. But the very, very pinnacle purpose of friendship are, is not common interests. It's not enjoyable hobbies. The purpose of friendship is to point to Jesus Christ as the treasure of life. We are to understand that the goal is always to trust 
Christ. Look with me at chapter 28. Chapter 28 is a, is a poem in and of itself that we get from Job. We find in chapter 28 a poem from Job in which he asks the question, where are the answers found? He says this by where is wisdom. He understands that his situation is so dire and so peculiar that Job is wondering, how do I make sense of this? What is the wisdom that gives me understanding here? And so we find him asking this in Job 28. But what I'm pointing out is this is not his friends that are saying this. For as good as his friends were or are, his friends are still lacking. They are not pointing him to Christ. Are they full of God? Do they talk about God? Yes. But the gospel, no. There's a book out there called The Gospel According to Job, in which this book helps us think through the gospel of Jesus Christ according to all that Job knows and understands, but we don't find it coming from his friends. We find friends that are understanding God to some degree or another, but not the gospel. And in chapter 28, we had this poem of Job searching for wisdom. Read chapter 28 with me. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore and gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valleyway from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle and the thing that is hidden he brings out to the light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Job recognizes that the mind of man and the engineering expertise is unbelievable, right? We can build tunnels through mountains. We can dig deep into the earth to find all sorts of things. We can make lakes by damming up a, a river. Job is aware of all this stuff. He says man can find anything he wants to find except wisdom. Where do we find it? He asks that question in verse 12, but then he keeps going. Verse 13, man does not know its worth. And it is not found in the land of the living. You don't find it here, Job knows. Verse 14, the deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir and precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? He goes on to speak of here in verses 13 through 19, just, it isn't found here. You can't buy it. You can't attain it here. You can search the world. You can make it all the way to the other side of the world. You can do everything you can to try and find wisdom, and you won't find it. Now, let's put this back in the context of Job. 
Job has three really strong friends who have now been with him there for days and they're talking and talking and talking and talking, but they've not found the answers. Verse 21, it is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. Now, isn't that good? Death says, we've heard some rumors about it. Death knows a little bit about wisdom, doesn't it? That's awesome. Verse 23, God understands the way to it. Remember, this is Job talking. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Job, by faith in God, is preaching to himself when his friends would not preach the gospel to him. Job, by the grace of God, is instructing himself in discipleship when his friends would not instruct him in discipleship. Job was pointing himself to hope and wisdom that comes from God alone. And this is fascinating. This is so good. Wisdom can be found, but it is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be a friend, and if you have people in your life who are suffering, yes, you need to listen well, and you need to learn that. And yes, you need to learn to respond well. But when you get to talking, point them to trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Job was not going to find answers. This book ends without answers. God never answers Job. We're gonna see at the end that God comes back with a strong word for Job and says, do you dare question me? And Job says, heck no, God. I finally see, I repent in dust and ashes. And God does not give him any answers. I suppose Job has now found out as he is in heaven. But Job did not find out on this side of earth. But the message was, wisdom is found in trusting God. Wisdom is found not in answers to everything in life. God in his wisdom does not want to give us every single thing that we think that we should know. God has not given us all the answers. He's just given us the answers that he wants us to have. But with us not having answers to everything, God makes his message clear. We are to trust him. That is why true friendship points to Jesus. The goal is always to trust Christ. What a thought. Job in his misery is thinking about wisdom. And he recognized the ingenuity that fills this world. People can do anything they set their mind to. But they cannot find wisdom because that comes from God. Well, how do we put this in the context even more so of the gospel? The apostle Paul picks up on it in 1 Corinthians 1. And we'll end here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes to the church, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. This is chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. 
This is the idea behind us reading in the middle of the service from James chapter four, verse four, where James writes that we need to know that friendship with the world is enmity and hostility with God. We are not looking for the world's wisdom to solve our problems. We're not even looking for answers to all of our problems. We are looking to be strengthened in the faith that the God who holds our life in his hands, that's what we are looking for. That is wisdom. Verse 20, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not, made, has not, God, made the full, not, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and followers to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The Bible is teaching us that the wisdom of God says to trust in Christ as a savior for your sins. The Bible is not so much a book that's gonna teach you and I how to live rightly. It is good for that, but that's not its biggest goal. The Bible's biggest goal, its number one point, the reason why God gave it to us is that we would trust in Christ. No matter who we're dealing with at any time, any place, we are to be pointing people to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's son revealed to us who then would live a perfect life and die on the cross for us. And true friendship believes that and wants to help those in their lives look to that. So we listen well. So we respond well, we respond wisely, and we point people to Jesus. Commentator Mason says, too many Christians are looking for graceless, fix-it solutions to their problems and to the problems of others as well. We forget, listen to this, that one of the great mysteries of the gospel is that God did not fix us when he saved us. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Not only are friendships complex, but you are complex. We forget that one of the great mysteries of the gospel is that God did not fix us when he saved us. By grace, he simply saved us, warts and all. We are like God when as a friend, we point people to wisdom. And wisdom submits to the Lord. We are a friend when, like God, we point people to the one worthy of everything. And may we learn to listen and respond with humility and grace and kindness that we would speak Jesus more often more accurately, in a more helpful way. Job has friends. And dare I say, Job has good friends. We admire them in many ways. But they were not giving the life-giving message to Job. It would have worked if they had said, Job, we don't have a clue, man but we know God will not fail you. Job, I don't know why you're going through this, 
but we know he loves you. We know heaven's not that far away. We know that he is your redeemer. That would have been better than chapter upon chapter upon chapter. May you be the person that is pointing people to Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you for the example that we get from Job and his friends, albeit a a trying one, albeit a very windy one with lots of discussion. But God, we thank you that your scriptures are teaching us what real friendship is, that your scriptures are teaching us what the purpose of friendship is. Father, we need the church to be full of people that know how to be a friend, that are pointing us to Jesus. Lord, help us to do so. Father, help us to understand that friendships are complex, many layers going on in our lives to seek Jesus in all of it. Help us now, God. In Christ's name we pray, amen.